0: Welcome to the Continuous Delivery podcast. I'm Zurar. I'm Cheesy. I'm Chuba. Today's topic is trunk-based development. What is trunk-based development?
1: Trunk-based development is when the team no longer creates branches, but instead they continuously integrate their code into a single branch, which usually is master. If you're using Git, so we we don't use branches because branches are risk, branches uh, delay integration, etc. Usually, when you're doing this, you also or go things like pull requests, because the goal is to integrate the code as quickly as possible. So it's really about merging your code and getting it out to production several times a day.
0: Why would an organization or a team decide to switch over to trunk-based development from traditional feature branch-based development?
1: So let, let me talk about the, the traditional way first. And, uh, traditionally, people keep branches to keep different Uh, features, different things that are work in progress together. And and the reason they do that is so that they can make a delayed decision of when to integrate it whenever it's finished because they're never sure when things are going to be finished. Uh, Whenever they are getting ready for some sort of a release, the things that are finished are kind of merged together, uh, which requires another round of testing because for the first time ever, all that code is together. And then once that testing is done, things go out. In a world of continuous delivery, though, we don't have that. First of all, our features tend to be much smaller, and so we can merge them much faster. Uh, The code is going out every day several times, so there's really no need to kind of coordinate, uh, you know, what is going into one particular release or another. We use feature toggles to actually manage what gets released versus what is deployed. Uh, There's another thing that – so there there are a lot of problems with branches. The first one is if you have code setting out on branches – uh, for any amount of time, you, you create risk in that eventually that code has to be merged with all of the other code. Now, I know a lot of people have gotten a habit of continuously rebasing their, their local uh, feature branch, but still, this the, the changes that you have are not merged with the other developers' changes until you push it into master, for example. Uh, they're, they're, so that brings about a lot of risk. And in continuous delivery, we need to remove risk. And there's one other significant risk that exists with branches, which is that developers tend to be more reluctant to refactor their code. So we know that refactoring code accelerates the change or the pace at which the changes occur. If you've got code setting out on a branch that you know you need to emerge eventually, and you see a lot of code or some code that maybe needs to be cleaned up. You know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, you know, I've got to merge this. Maybe I'll, I'll let this set for a while. And so I've just seen again and again, code that sets out on branches. It just keeps that mess.
0: It also um, ingrains a mentality in developers where they where they are very conscious about breaking the build. Uh, if you are on a feature branch and you're kind of working on your own, maybe with one more developer, you are kind of committing with, with, uh, not going to say reckless abandon but you are committing within your own sandbox where things are permitted and sometimes you might be committing code that fails tests and so on but if you are working in a single branch development model where you are only committing to the main line uh, you you cannot afford that mentality because it will get you in trouble so even though the initial pain of going to this method of, of delivery is, uh, can be significant or at least culturally shocking sometimes once you're there the mentality it ingrains really helps you uh, go forward
2: more from the from the team's perspective i think uh, what what uh, trunk based development gives the team actually is is a visibility so everybody understands more who are what are they working on or what is the team working on because if if you have these these branches uh, people just tend to just work on these branches and then and then kind of get lost in that in that in their own own change and uh, and often these changes could be could have quite significant conflicts but in a, in a trunk based development everybody has to communicate everybody has to be more aware of what's happening and and the, all these potential collisions and all these potential issues that if they're touching the same code uh comes out much much faster
0: do you need to change the way you think about your software Versions is one example of them. What, what, what are some ways you may have to change your development practices if you're trying to go to a single branch development?
1: So versioning typically is what you do if you're building a component that's maybe shared across a couple of other projects. So this would be a case where we would have multiple uh, Git repos instead of a mono repo. The semantic versioning is there so that the people who are using that library or that, that, that API or whatever it is, know or understand what types of changes are there. And and, and and so on, and so that they can specify what types of changes they want to take automatically, for example. So I, I think in trunk-based development, this works just fine as well. The only difference being that the team that's working on that repository need to kind of coalesce around what it is that is going to go into the next release, and then once uh, that is all ready to go, then they could potentially uh, tag their repo and and push the latest artifact to either some sort of a a, a shared repository of of uh, libraries or whatever it might be. So sort. Whereas in traditional continuous delivery, we don't necessarily have that. That, that it's just a continuous flow of changes. Uh, if you're going to try to version libraries for for shared use, you do have to coordinate down to what is there? Often you also need to put together release notes and things such as that. So that's the only difference I see.
0: Uh, th- there's a nice quote by Jez Humble, I think. Branching is not the problem. Merging is the problem. <laughs> when organizations or teams are trying to work on multiple features at the same time, is that prohibitive in a single branch development environment where you literally only have one branch so you can. it follows that you could only work on one feature, which is the next feature? Does that concept of working on multiple features at the same time go away with trunk-based development, or does that still
1: stand? Uh, let's say we have three feature branches that we merge down to master to create a release. Uh, when we would go to production with those, or whenever we would create the golden build and go out, and we realize that one of them is has some problems, we've got to kind of rush back and sort of unmerge that and rush in a new build rapidly to try to uh, shut that down. Whereas developing those three in parallel on master, but behind a feature toggle allows us to do things like uh, do a canary release or allows us to, if one of them is not performing well to back it down right away without uh, having to do a new deployment. So uh, uh, if there's something that we're not quite sure of, we can connect, you know, release it to a very small number of users or, for even just release it only to the development team so that they could inspect and look at something. So, so there's a lot more safety around releasing things that are developed in this way where we've got everything single branch. Things are behind feature toggle deployment is mastered discontinuously going out to production and release is something that our product folks make decisions around and they do it through a toggling system. Whatever I have uh, tried
0: to introduce this concept to teams, the types of resistance that I have met have usually been, they do, they want that safety net that a branch provides. And that usually is a sign that your test suite is not as great as it could be. And really the underlying factor is usually that, not necessarily that developers are against the idea of, uh, of trunk-based development. They actually love it. When, when you are on paper, when you introduce it to them, the the answer is always, why not? Of course, we should be doing this. But as soon as you kind of dive into it, you you merge into master and things blow up. And that's when your quality issues become a little bit more evident. And then it's a question of, will that team introspect and actually do something about their quality? But I don't think you can have a uh, trunk-based development without extremely high quality in your code base.
1: That's correct. So we, we, I've worked at places before where... They constantly are checking things into a, a master or, or a branch, for that matter, where the quality is low and it's breaking it for everybody. So whenever you're trunk-based development, your changes impact everybody else very rapidly. And so, so the quality has to be there. The test suites have to be thorough. The developers have to be uh, quality-minded. And so you cannot do this if you regularly introduce defects.
0: Mm-hmm. and the, the branch often serves as a gate uh, right we we have like whatever our cicd pipeline is it often builds the branch and gives us some like early feedback on whether our merge is going to be good or not uh, it's it's usually a poor indicator of it but it is an indicator whether things are things are broken already in a single branch development environment what is the role of pre commit hooks in there uh, and obviously, that requires your your pipeline to be really solid and check for a lot of things that you would maybe manually check on a branch.
1: So, so in many ways, I think pre-commit hooks are a cop out, to be quite honest. So, uh, at least the way I've seen them used in the past, I've seen people that that create these pre-commit hooks where it tries to run all of the tests and 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 validate some form of quality before it actually physically merges it uh, into master. And so that kind of is, is, is odd to me. As a developer, I need to do that myself. As a developer, before I push something into master, I need to pull, get all of the latest, and, and once I'm confident that I've got the latest code, run the entire test suite. And that should give me the confidence that I need to go ahead and push my code to master. And the workflow that I use is, is I clone master locally. Okay, I make my change Uh, before I uh, push my change. I can even commit locally. But before I push my change, I want to pull the latest from master again because my teammates may have also pushed their code up in that couple of hour time period. And so I want to make sure I have the latest. So I'll pull their, their changes down. I'll run the tests. If it's good, I'll push
0: if you, if you only have a single branch and um, you're all committing to it, you want to know immediately when something went wrong, and you sometimes maybe want to have automation to pull back that last commit that broke it. Most pipelines aren't necessarily sophisticated enough uh, to do that on their own. H- how have you seen good pipelines kind of take care of this risk when you commit something, the test pass, everything is good, but something actually breaks in production, what, what, what is the response of the team here how, how how does the team know something went wrong what are some good practices which uh, which people can
2: follow so it's it's more than just the, the build it's it's also monitoring tools the whole range of uh, like like log monitoring right uh, comes into comes into view but um, but the, the most basic thing is that everybody is is on the is on the same communication from from the pipeline from production so so they get notified right away
1: and and in continuous delivery world we also tend to roll forward instead of rolling back as well so when issues do happen in production which which we do introduce defects every so often so instead of trying to roll back to the latest one we tend to uh understand what what the issue was fix it and commit it and then we it rolls forward the only reason we would ever think to roll back is if there was a very significant uh, defect that was introduced in in some way. And if that's the case, hopefully your your Git log is really clean and and you could uh, roll that back easily. And you sure as heck better have a really solid retrospective on how something that large made it through your test suites
0: yeah and and, that, and that's a great point. I think uh, if you, if you live in an environment like this, you really have to inspect and adapt on uh, whatever something goes uh, goes south. Th- th- I think that's where teams probably sh- fall short the most, where they will go ahead, a defect comes in, they will come, they will fix it, and move on to the next feature. But that stop and pause of why did we introduce this and also asking the question, what about our process needs to change for this to never happen again happens very infrequently. How are code reviews done in this uh, in this model? Uh, because traditionally, again, in your Git flow, you have a concept of a PR, which other developers use uh, in single branch development. There are no PRs. How do code reviews happen in this environment?
2: People get this false uh, kind of assurance that code reviews are going to to, to catch problems, right? And uh, and uh, one of the one of the f- the first practices that that needs to be changed and introduced is that. So if you don't have branches, then you don't have these pull requests. So so then what? How 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 can we ensure that that uh, these high risk uh, pieces of code still uh, still get reviewed? And and there are a few techniques. The most common is pair programming and and more progr- programming. And that's in in the moment when this is introduced, this is now now takes off the pressure. Of, of this change that now you're going trunk-based development, and and I always uh, when I work with teams I always recommend them that that of course you don't have to code everything uh, with somebody else, but if you have like a more complex code, invite a peer review it. And if you are doing a something super complex or or something challenging that you are encountering for the first time, the mob around, then mob on that. And and this approach. Is going to yield way, way higher quality because you you are not building a large amount of piece, a large piece of code that's later on got reviewed and, and whatever feedback happens. But as the the, the problems would, would show up in that code, they get caught and they get fixed right away. So so the so the long-term effects is 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 much more limited.
1: Mm-hmm. So so often whenever we talk about trunk-based development, everybody gets a lot of developers get upset because they say We all know that GitFlow is is a best practice. GitFlow in its original incarnation was used in a way in which your branches live for a couple of hours at most. And it was designed to be a way so that I can delete a branch and start over again rapidly if I I need to. It kind of morphed into something a little bit different over time. My experience, though, is that once we uh, have the discipline to write high-quality code and to test our code and to ensure that it works, that trunk based development is a tool that dramatically drives risk out of the system. It drives the merge risk. It drives the risk that everybody is not working on something that's that's real instead they're working on you know whatever the last thing that they rebased plus their changes so and it also uh, eliminates the the uh, the refactoring on a branch having to merge at risk as well. So I don't see how you can possibly go to continuous deployment with the risk of branches. Trunk-based development is an essential practice. That concludes this episode of the Continuous Delivery Podcast.
0: We'll be back soon enough.